Yeah! We're here. We're in your ears. Uh, 20% less of you's ears, if uh, if my statistics are to be believed. Live. I did not know where the hell that was going. What are you talking about? Come on we're now. Here, no. We're in your ears. <laughs> hey guys, this is the new ASMR version of Mark's Madness. We're we're right up in those tingly ears. Hold on, can I scratch it? Is that doing anything for you? All right, all right, let's keep going. No, now we're here. We're uh we're doing the thing. You know we do it. Um, yeah. it's uh it is. So we are recording this on. It, it feels weird to like we need to time capsule these now because we're doing like a weird historical thing. So we got to be on top of it. But April third, twenty twenty. Um. As of right now, updates, I have a really bad-looking beard. Um, oh, that's no. my level of quarantine. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's oh, bad. No. Oh, you, no. don't want, you don't want any of this, Ricky Bobby. It is not good for anybody. <laughs> no one enjoys it. Um, and yet my wife is insistent that I not shave it off because it's like a weird, like, well, well, we'll never know if we don't try because I grow facial hair like a just not a good person to grow facial hair it's not a thing i do it's not a thing i do so it's a science experiment i love it. oh it's a petri dish it's it's that thing you left in the back of the company fridge for two weeks that shouldn't be there anymore but it's there and it's it has its own mind when your face when your beard gets long enough we're gonna soak it in water and we're gonna put some toothpicks through an avocado and like balance it right on your beard no no at this point at this point there's it's not gonna get long enough to there's a reason jay bowmeister was clean shaven at the stanley cup some (laughs) men are just not meant for this to be a thing and i'm me and jay bowmeister are two of them hi welcome back to hockey talk I feel Jaybo. Get well, Jaybo. Get better, man. This is, hey, your- this this will never stop being a hockey podcast. Let's not this lie to this. It. it was a hockey podcast from the beginning. It will never stop being a hockey podcast. I don't care if we don't have hockey right now. That just means the Blues get to keep the Stanley Cup. Two time back to back champs, baby. Come on, now. right? That's right. They've never been unseated as champions. Never, never one time lost the Stanley Cup up to this time. <laughs> um, it's really weird. Yesterday was supposed to be the last day of the season. Did you know that? Yesterday was the last. Yesterday was supposed to be the last baseball home game. Was supposed to be happening too. Right baseball. Now. So it was supposed to be yesterday. Yesterday was supposed to be opening day for baseball. Yeah. Which yeah. fuck baseball. Um, but right. yesterday was also but supposed I mean, to be the. I you know. Say, you say fuck baseball, but like I do. I mean, and I get that because like, yes, this is this is a hockey town. This was Brett Hull's land when I grew <laughs> this up. This is a ho- I love. But, this is a hockey town, a town that literally had never won a championship to last year and is dominated by a team that has won the second Brett most town in the, the 90s, second most World it. Series in history. But we're a hockey town. It, well, call okay, Stan Kroenke and call us a football town at this rate. I mean, fuck you, Stan Kroenke. <laughs> but I mean, shit. I dude, we were not a hockey town. I get okay. it. I have been a hockey. Okay. We were a hockey podcast. Okay. But we were like a we were a baseball town that had hockey occasionally. Okay, okay. This was Brett Hull's land when we were both growing up, and we were both hockey people. But I was so so into baseball. In yes, you were. Yes, you were. Big time. And I'm come on, we all were. It was it was like the run of Cardinals dominance. We Everyone had the was into MVP. baseball. We did. We did. Also, one third of which might might has the coronavirus. So we're two. Oh we're, a, we're a Scott Rowland and an Albert Pujols away from a trifecta, guys. Come on. <laughs> It ain't happening. Um, <laughs> One, they all three should be Hall of Famers, and and at this point, anyone in America should probably have coronavirus because let's face it, it's not. Yeah, we all do. We but all somehow do. only one third of those guys will go to the Hall of Fame, and one third of them has the coronavirus. It's just you don't think Scott's getting world. in? I think Scott's getting in. He should. He damn well should. He should moonwalk in. But I just I think Scott should I get don't, in. I don't, I don't think, think Jimmy so. gets in at all. But I think Which Scott is gets in. Ridiculous. He should be in. <laughs> He's the most boring re- of the three. You realize it was like sixteen. It was like fifteen years ago that trade went through for Jimmy. The Kent Bottenfield one. The the trade that brought Jimmy Edmonds to St. Louis. Yeah, was fifteen Kent years Bottenfield. ago. Yeah, yes. I mean, yeah, no, we we do voodoo if magic. Ever tells we get you- it. If anyone ever tells you that pitching ones are valuable, you point out. <laughs> welcome back to uh, welcome back to sports talk. To we know you all were missing it, so we decided to turn our Marxist podcast into a uh, into a local local St. Louis sports podcast. Somebody get um, Ken tremendous on the phone, and we're gonna rip on Bill Flat. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, that being said, we are actually a podcast that does Marxism occasionally, yes. Um, yes. from time to time. And from for the next year and a half, we're gonna for the next year and a half, we're gonna be doing Marxism exclusively within uh, W. B. Du Bois's uh, Black Reconstruction in America because I've timed it out, and we are after our last episode where we did three and a half pages. That's my <laughs> compromise between your three and my four, David. Um, w- w- between that one, we, we lowered our average. So the the, the counter, I'm going to come up with like a, an app that just counts how long I expect us to read this book. It got, it got higher. 
Um, oh, okay. So that's a, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, we were doing 11 pages a day and then we got down to this, this four page nonsense. So we, we got to, we better get we, back on it. We got to get back on it. And we decided to really stick to it and get back on it by having a five and a half minute intro, <laughs> uh, two and a half, two and a half minutes of which was exclusively <laughs> about local St. Louis sports, a thing that will <laughs> appease nobody. Just no, nobody at this none time. None of our listeners would give a shit. None of them. And you shouldn't. You're better people for it. But that being said, uh, hi, I'm Nathan. I'm David. And we're doing Mark's Madness, which means we're going to read a book to you. Um, and if this is your first episode, if it is, why? Don't go back to the first episode. That's a weird thing to do. Don't go back to Capital right now. But like, start at like state and rever imperialism. That's a much yeah. better intro to this yeah. podcast. Because there's like a bunch of three-hour episodes in the middle of Capital. And we all know none of us want that. Not no. in these trying times. No, 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 no. You need something jovial, and that's that's not learning about coats for three and a half hours. <laughs> so coats this and linen and coats and linen, everything. bolts of everything, and, and a lot of mat like algebra two looking equations. It was a real it was a real fun ride for everybody. Um, shout out to everyone who's still working through that drone. I see you out there. I know you're working on it, and you'll get through it. I promise. We all will. Um, that being said, we're gonna read a much more uplifting. Uh, book. Hey, David, let's talk about the planter during uh, slavery times. Uh, okay, so uh, All right. we're going to start chapter three, The Planter. Page seven- 32, if you're following along at home. Yes, page 32 of Black Reconstruction. How in 7% of a section within a nation ruled 5 million white people and owned 4 million black people and sought to make agriculture equal to industry through the rule of property without yielding political power or education to labor. No, and no quote attested to that, but damn. no, no, no. That was that was the the uh, long subtitle. We've talked about the very long subtitles in this book. Very long <laughs> wait, wait. That was a sub. That was a paragraph, David. You can't <laughs> dodge to the boys. I I love the hell out of you, but you can't do this. Okay, there are rules. This there is, is decency. This must be how Harvard tells you to to write books. So that's what that's, I'm going with. That subtitle by the by the end of this book, the subtitle will be two and a half pages long, and we'll forget that the chapter hasn't started yet. <laughs> Seven percent of the total population of the South in 1860 owned nearly three million of the three million nine hundred fifty-three thousand six hundred ninety-six slaves. I don't know where the hell the other million slaves were. That's okay. No, 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 no. No, it explains it. Seven percent of the population uh, owned three million. So basically, it's it's okay. a it's a it's so like a wealth is, thing. It's like a, yeah. it's like the point one percent own all the wealth. It's, it's exactly yeah. that. Most slaves were held by seven percent of people. The major, yeah. the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of slaves, and th- that's just to go. It's a given. It's back to the. This wasn't an everyone in the South owned a sl- owned two slaves. It was twelve people owned a million slaves, and everyone else was poor white people, and then you pit them against each other. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, and and one out of every of the four white people apparently owned a slave, which is well, yeah, yeah, yeah everyone has. Way, but yeah, yeah, no, it's it's horrendous in its own way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we just got through the white worker, so you know, I could definitely get the uh, the Occupy plantation vibe of where's my slaves? Because this, is just- yeah, we also just got through the white worker, so uh, so let me say it again, if I haven't said it clear enough, fuck white people, just in general, <laughs> just just let me, I'm gonna start every instead of the boop 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 boop, just gonna be fuck white people, and that's yeah. how I'm gonna start every fucking episode we, of this podcast. We deserve it too. So, all right, yeah. well, oh yeah. Boys saying that the way that deserves to be heard. Uh, there was nearly a great a concentration of ownership in the best agricultural land. This meant that in a country predominantly agricultural, the ownership of labor, land, and capital was extraordinarily concentrated. Concentration of capital? We've, we've yeah. heard of this. We've heard of this. Such peculiar organization of industry would have to be carefully reconciled with the new industrial and political democracy of the 19th century if it were to survive. Bullshit to mm-hmm. voice. No, it wasn't. That's how capitalism no. works, too. Yeah, no, exactly. That's because that's that is the thing. It 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 does. It has to adapt to survive. To there are yeah. new conditions. It will have usually whenever you have those new conditions under capitalism. We've seen there's a shock. There's some sort of either is, there's a panic. There's an there's, opening up. Yeah, and then there's a panic. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. But usually, since at least for the last three hundred years, four hundred years even, capital, unless you it, it, again, it's like it's like a bacterial infection where you don't take enough antibiotics. You you let's say cap, capital goes right to the brink of getting stomped out by some crisis, but then we we forget to take those last two weeks of pills because we feel better, and then it comes back stronger and resistant to that particular variation of of attack, and and then just morphs and goes again. Yeah, um, that's, that's a pretty damn good analogy, which is terrifying. God um, damn, look at me go! Now. Look um, at me go! 
of the five million whites who owned no slaves, some were united in the interest with the slave owners. These were overseers, drivers, dealers in slaves. Others were heirs of white and black labor, and still others were merchants and professional men, forming a petty bourgeois class and climbing up to the planter class or falling down from it. I'm going to go back and just do a correction real quick. I apologize. Oh, just mid, mid-text mid correction. Others were not heirs of white and black labor. They were hirers. And usually our slip-ups don't matter as much, but that, that changes it significantly. <laughs> yes, that was it. Sorry. I, they I hired it. white and black labor. Yes. No, no, no. We good. Yes. We good. Okay. So the massive poor. Others were hirers of white and black labor. And so those were merchants, professional men, you know, going, going. So the massive poor whites, as we have shown, were economic outcasts. Colonial yes. Virginia declared its belief in natural and inalienable rights, popular sovereignty, popular sovereignty, and government for the common good, even before the Declaration of Independence. But it soon became the belief of the doctrinaires, and not a single other southern state enacted these doctrines of equality until after the Civil War. That's, well, yeah, well, that's sorry, sorry. We just got to pause there. That's wild. <laughs> that is that that. Like the, 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 oh, it's the American dream. We're founding America. Like guys, everything South of Virginia until the civil war basically said, yeah, no, yeah. Y'all talking a good game, but fuck all that shit. Like we're not, we're not here for actual equality. Get fucked. own people. Let's get this. Even the, so again, even the bougie revolution that we prop up as some sort of uh, you know equality egalitarian utopian revolution in this country mm-hmm. even that was basically rejected by everything south of virginia the notoriously progressive state of virginia absolutely yep and and i i really hope again uh not only is this book most importantly illuminating to you know racism in america and its roots uh which i believe it's been so far uh but also how we get this false divide between liberals and conservatives because that's exactly you know the liberal is this false idea of equality and but they you know propped up the slave owning system and ripped the land away from indigenous people and and you know this that and the other uh and then the conservatives are even that's too fucking good. And all of this gets a little less explicit these days because of the civil war and because of the fights of uh, civil rights activists, the Southern strategy, exactly everything. Yeah. I mean, everything like that, the Southern strategy is, is to mask that that's been that way since, since Nixon. Uh, But it doesn't change. It's just dressed up nicely. And that's their biggest issue with Trump is he still dresses it up much nicer than say some Southerner in, in 1850. But he doesn't dress it up as nice as you're supposed to these days. Exactly. Quiet parts out loud. Quiet parts out loud. Uh, the Reconstruction Constitution incorporated that. But quite logically, South Carolina repudiated its declaration in 1895. <laughs> the domination of property was shown in the qualifications for office and voting in the South. Southerners and others in the Constitutional Convention asked for property qualifications for the President of the United States, the federal judges, and senators. Most southern state governments required a property qualification for governor, and in South Carolina, he must be worth 10,000 pounds. Members of the legislation... Wait, you did it in the wrong denomination even, motherfucker! <laughs> for queen and country. <laughs> like, just, again, quiet part out loud, you imperialist fucks! <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, right? Early, early uh, um, American, quote unquote, democracy until all of these fights for voting rights in the the late 19th and early 20th century uh, revolved from voting to holding office around having property. You know, I mean, this is exactly what this this government's for. It's to protect property and protect property holders. Mm hmm. Uh, members of the legislature must usually be landholders. Plural voting was allowed as late as 1832. The requirement of the ownership of freehold land of office holders operated in the disadvantage of merchants and, me- and mechanics. In North Carolina, a man must own 50 acres to vote for senator. And in 1828, out of 250 voters at Wilmington, only 48 had the qualifications to vote for senator. Toward the, toward the time of Civil War, many of these property qualifications disappeared. 48 people got to vote for center i could fit for the amount of, i could fit that many people in my like 
a whole like if I if I like got on the front yard and backyard like on I could get that many people in and around my house and like they're all electing the senator for my state. Uh, you could, you know, I mean, I know you could fit a lot of people into a public space if you go back two months. But if you go back two weeks, you could still get 48 people in a public space. I mean, let's I, be real. We're, we're basically we're basically at because it was 50 for a while was the was the number. We're basically yeah, like at quarantine. Quor- oh, it's 10 now. Yeah. Quarantine levels of people could elect a <laughs> senator for a state. Yeah. Come the fuck on. That's pretty bad. But hey. Quality forces is nine out of ten for democracy. Fuck you. <laughs> we were ten out of ten at that time. We were the only ten at, the, at this period where we were having fifty people flip a coin and decide who the senator was. Fuck. Into the hands of slaveholders, the political power of the South was concentrated by their social prestige, by property ownership, and also by their extraordinary rule of the counting of all or at least three-fifths of the Negroes. Mm-hmm. That fun compromise. Mm-hmm, yeah. That I think we cut out at one point, but I'm pretty sure at one point you called it the two-thirds compromise, and it is my job to ridicule you when you oh, get basic yeah. facts wrong. <laughs> um, so this is me coming back and doing that. Uh, nearly all of the southern states began with recognizing the white population as a basis of its representation. They afterward favored the black belt by direct legislation or by counting three-fifths of the slave population, and then finally by counting the whole black population. Or they established, as in Virginia and South Carolina, a quote-unquote mixed basis of representation based on white population and on property, that is, on land and slaves. Oh, isn't that nice? (sighs) I'm a person, but I own four people, so do I count as two people? fun and the distribution of seats in the legislature then this manipulation of political power appears in the older states representatives were assigned arbitrarily to counties districts and towns with little regard to population guys again the the grand founding fathers that you hold up on on such a pedestal basically said eh fuck it these four guys represent these 20 people fuck it i got nothing uh this was for the purpose of putting the control in the hands of wealthy planters. Hmm. Variations from this were the basing of representation on the white population in one house and taxation in the other, or the use of the federal proportion, that is, free persons and three-fifths of the slaves, or federal proportion and taxation combined. These were all manipulated so as to favor the wealthy planters. The commercial class secured scant representation as compared with agricultural, which you know them bankers are going to get fed up with eventually. Yeah. (laughs) It is a fact that the political working of the state of South Carolina is in the hands of 150 to 180 men. Let that soak in. I don't care what year it is. If I tell you that 150 people are in charge of everything in your state in a ostensible democracy that should probably worry you um it has taken me six months to appreciate the entireness of this fact though of course i had heard it stated in all cases the slaveholder practically voted both for himself and his slaves and it was not until 1850 and particularly after the war that there were signs of self-assertion on behalf of the poor whites to break this monopoly of power Uh, a little bit of class consciousness going on we got something going here um alabama for instance a notoriously progressive bastion in 1850 based representation in the general assembly upon the white inhabitants after 30 years of counting the whole white and black population it's very weird when the progressive stance is to not to include black, black people. people. Yeah. That's a yeah. weird one. Uh, and I'm not cool with that. These, but that's how shitty some of these rules were. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- this is really how it is now. It was, again, you know, it, years now, just like we dress up the language a little more nicely, we dress up the laws a little more nicely. And it's a little like <laughs> sneaky voter suppression and making sure the votes don't actually matter because the lobbyists will take care of it and behind back doors and everything like that. Uh, but it was worn on its sleeve before is this is all in service of 
property holders. Yeah. And the most downtrodden people are going to be the most explicitly attacked and the most explicitly used, the most explicitly exploited. And that's going to be the colonized people, uh, black indigenous people of color most especially. Uh, and of course, you know, other people of color and immigrants right behind that. And um, then on top of that is going to be basically the passively exploited and attacked uh, white working folks who just kind of don't matter. Um, they're not pointedly targeted with the oppression, uh, but they're going to be hit by it out of totally being under or completely unrepresented and uh, by all these systems of powers uh, to go towards their masters who are basically sending out attack dogs of exploitation and white people are going to kind of get in the way. And then sitting on top of this all and piling in cash and power and getting whatever they want at any time they want uh, were, you know, the wealthy landowners who had ripped the land away from the indigenous people to become plantation owners. And the only dream out there is if you're in this poor white class, you can become one of these horrible exploiters. Uh, there's a tiny, 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 tiny slim chance of that happening as long as you're brutal and evil and greedy enough. And that that's America. And that's never, yeah. ever changed. It's just become less explicit. Yeah. Thus, the Southern planters had in their hands from 1820 until the Civil War political power equivalent to one or two million freedmen in the North, which, again, they just were okay with. This is back to the the, the fucking neoliberal liberal equivocating goes back until its inception, because, again, everyone in the North effectively was capitulating to the South and saying, all right, I, all right, you're fine. You're allowed to count uh, your own vote as as exponentially more than mine, but only at three fifths, and that is my hard line in the sand. I uh, right. that's uh, I will draw no further, good sir. As long as you would, they were just again they were conceding an argument when they had the moral and legitimate high ground because they don't really want that. They, they don't want to be right. They need those awful elements of society to exist or their entire ideology falls apart. And that has oh, yeah. that, that's not a recent invention. That's not something that came up in the late 80s. That's been baked into capitalism forever and for always. And every government in the history of time has, has, has argued in these terms. Every leftist, rightist, whatever argument you have between, you know, dominant political parties is always this weird dance around, well, there's these unwritten rules of capital that we cannot forsake, but I'm supposed to be over here representing these people that are getting fucked. And you're right. over here representing these people that are getting fucked. And we have to make it look like we're doing it's, it's like pro wrestling for politics. It's all fucking fake. They all go out there and give a great show of it. But we're all at the end of the day going out to the sizzler and having a fucking, you know, steak together and high five and afterwards because we're all the fucking same team. None of this is real. It's fucking bullshit to prop up Vince McMahon's ass. I lost the thread of the analogy, but I think it still stands. It was um, somewhere. <laughs> it was there at some point. Um, Jesus Christ. Where, David, where did I leave off? Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, that's right. You should, motherfucker. Us, the planters who owned from 50 to 1,000 slaves and from 1,000 to 10,000 acres of land, came to fill the whole picture in the South, and literature and the propaganda, which is usually called history, have since exaggerated that picture. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Literature and propaganda that is sometimes called history. History. It needs, <laughs> he does it so well that sometimes it gets missed. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do it as obviously as Lenin, but guys, he's so good at this. Oh, he's so very, good at this. Very good at this. The planter certainly dominated politics and social life. He boasted of his education, but on the whole, the Southern leaders were men singularly ignorant of modern conditions and trends and of their historical background. All of their ideas and gentility and education went back to the days of European privilege and caste. They cultivated a surface acquaintance with the literature, and they threw Latin quotations even into Congress. <laughs> I like that one too. <laughs> no, it's seriously. It's all. It's, I just, it is. It is the equivalent of like some again, just some dumbass person right now, like trying to use some like really fancy language to gussy up what they're trying to. <laughs> fuck it. Just, that's what it means nothing. Shit is. Just, oh, oh, fuck off. Get off my money. <laughs> 
<laughs> Some few had a cultural ed- education at Princeton and at Yale, and to this day, Princeton refuses to receive Negro students, and Yale has admitted few with the reluctance as a curious legacy from slavery. I love how he did leave out Harvard in this example. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's that. dunk on print. Let's dunk on the other Ivy Leagues, but leave leave, leave mine leave out of it. Out, yeah. Come Many on Southerners traveled abroad, and the fashionable European world met most exclusively Americans from the South and were favorably impressed by their manners, which contrasted with the gosherick of the average Northerner. What the? Oh, I got, gosherick. I got goshery. Go, gosh. So like, oh, that's gosh. so gosh. That's so gosh. Okay. Uh, a Southerner of the upper class could enter a drawing room and carry a light conversation and eat according to the rules on tables covered with silver and fine linen. There were gentlemen, according to the older and more meager connotation of the word. Southern no. women. No, no, keep going. But that that okay. that is the definition of like that. That is absolutely just civility politics 101. Like, mm-hmm. well, he's he's literally the devil. He, his entire business operation is owned by yeah, he's, his entire method of, of, of attaining status is beating down other human beings for his own profit but god damn it he uses the right spoon and i just uh, i just can't get it out of my head he, he knows how to wear a suit and and sip his wine and hold polite conversation to a, a polite little chuckle without uh yeah. without any gaudy language or pushy extreme ideas he's you know yeah. i mean, I mean he yeah, might be good to death with blood literally on his hands for a few bits of extra profit, but that that's on his own time. But he's also very good at not being the one that beats them himself. He he, he it leaves oh, yeah. at least one or two layers of of obfuscation between him and the actual human exploitation that he commits on a day to day basis. Come that's on, true. he's he's got his antebellum lifestyle. He knows what to do. Yeah. Uh, Southern women of the planter class had little formal education. They were trained in dependence with smattering of French and music. They affected the latest European styles, were always described as beautiful, and of course must do no work for a living except in the organization of their households. In this latter word, they were assisted and even impeded by more servants than they needed. The temptations of this sheltered exotic position called the finer possibilities of woman of womanhood into existence and to exercise only in exceptional cases. It was the woman on the edge of the inner circles and of those of the struggling poor whites who sought to enter the ranks of the privileged who showed superior character. I didn't cut you off and then that that's a, that took a, a, a Herculean amount of energy. Can we can we just focus on the fact that they are saying that basically there were too many slaves running about for the white lady to be able to feel like she was actually doing something to justify her existence. Holy shit. I tried to dust this. I tried to dust this bust of Reginald slaveholderington the fourth, but my slaves had already gotten to it. Oh, I've got the vapors. (laughs) And then faint on your fainting couch and then go back to it. What the fuck is happening here <laughs> honey honey i can stir in the sugar myself just brew the tea i'm a oh, fine God. lady <laughs> in their defense tea should have sugar in it and everyone in the north come on the, the south got tea right they understood one thing and it was how to make tea i'm sorry <laughs> we're gonna disagree there and i'm gonna move on that's so, fine McAllister's the best tea in the history of time fuck God off. damn it all right most of the planters like most of the americans were humble descent two or three generations removed Jefferson Davis was a grandson of poor Wel- of a poor Welsh immigrant, yet the Southerners' assumptions impressed the North, and although most of them were descended from the same social class as the Yankees, yet the Yankees had more recently been reinforced by immigration and were, st- oh, I'm sorry, strenuous, hardworking men, ruthlessly pushing themselves into the leadership of new industry. Such folk not only love a lord, but even the fair imitation of one. The leaders of the South had leisure for good breeding and high living, and before them, Northern society abased itself and flattered and fawned over them. Perhaps this, more than ethical reasons or even economic advantage, made the way of the abolitionist hard. In New York, Saratoga, Philadelphia, and Cincinnati, a slave baron with his fine raiment, gorgeous and doll-like women, and black flunkies quite turned the heads of the Northern society. 
Their habits of extravagance impressed the nation for a long period. Most of the, most of the waste charged against Reconstruction arose from the attempt of the post-war population, white and black, to imitate the manners of a slave-nurtured gentility, and this br brought furious protests from further planters. Because while planters spent money filched from the labor of black slaves, the poor white and black leaders of Reconstruction spent taxes drawn from recently impoverished planters. And there's 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 a huge one. Yeah, um, like oh, you stupid, filthy, lady, lazy, poors, you, like, you, you're not poor enough. What are you doing, driving a nice car and having an iPhone? And that, that, this is yeah. kind of the roots of it. No, you this know, is exactly the of This concept of, oh, these welfare queens and stuff. Mm -hmm. This concept that how dare they be at a basic level of subsistence while I am forced to be reduced to only owning two homes and four cars. It is, again, it, it all goes back to this, to this de-enfranchising of the planter class because they thought... They were entitled to that. They th the same way that people will get on Twitter and defend Jeff Bezos as having earned his wealth. There were, if you had a Civil War Twitter, there would be plenty of poor, disenfranchised white workers defending the planters for having earned their plantations and their slaves and their status. Absolutely. No one now questions it's it. away from them from this horrible uh, Civil War and these authoritarian Reconstructionists and da da da. Yeah, and given to these lazy people that just want to mil bums. filch off the state. Right, and just just want to blow the money extravagantly, and don't know don't know what it's like and how to how to act, you know, and and why aren't they? Why do they have nice things? How dare they? And it's all it all comes. This right is from the this. origin of this, and so to exp and to try and understand, then this is generationally implanted. It's like when people, I think I saw a, a meme on Twitter today where something affected, you know, people people very frequently, myself included, at times just kind of hand wave off the South as a lost cause that, Oh fuck yeah. this. They're backwards, regressive assholes. That's just who they are. Whatever that, if you're a, a leftist of any stripe, and certainly if you're a, a materialist, someone who, who should theoretically understand the material conditions that led to a thing. If you don't look to this as the inciting event for what has bred these next three or four generations of, of enmity towards any sort of social program, any sort of social safety, it's all explained right here. I mean, we've, we've in the last chapter and a half, we've kind of hit every bit of that. And it's in, yeah. it's insane that this is not this I mean, is every, not the lesson we get taught. Every one of these, every one of these are bedrocks of um, really the American ruling class as a whole. Uh, we should not make this totally partisan, but let's not kid ourselves these are these are very very republican things um and these are bedrocks of conservatism these are the kinds of things that you know rush limbaugh shits out of his mouth five seconds of every second of reality you know he, i mean he's just going full bore speed just dropping every one of these goddamn dog whistles. but i think even if yeah. you i I'm, I'm gonna cut you off right there and i'm sorry but i think i don't want to even throw this exclusively on republicans right now because think about it, no. roy roy moore isn't wasn't that the 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 guy in this in alabama that we yeah we had this runoff and the gun and uh-huh uh -huh. we so, yep. so you've got two you've got two people in i think it was doug jones maybe and roy moore yep. I, if I'm if I'm remembering, you know this this race in Alabama, Doug Jones, the guy that won, would yep. be a Republican in any other state, oh, yeah, other than Alabama. It's again, it's not a. This is not a Republican or Democrat thing. This is a societal thing, and to think that America as a whole has a society that transcends regionalism or anything like that is is fucking asinine. We we don't. The 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 south, the midwest, the the everyone has their own group and the south as a group is fundamentally defined by slavery, the civil war and reconstruction. Those three things apps to this day and, define and the mentality of that region. Yep, and of course, you know, different people in different societal roles and with different political ideologies uh, have different, you know, perspectives or effects based on on Reconstruction and and of course, you know, the plantations and the, the Confederacy before that. But it all is rooted in that, no matter yeah. which side of that coin you you know defend or fight for. Yeah, and you have to at the end of the day, you have to understand you have it. it 
in in a chapter and a half, two chapters, mm-hmm. we've we've uncovered I think more. I mean, in thirty five pages of this book, I have gotten more root cause analysis of what was happening in America during the Civil War and Reconstruction than I got in. Uh, twelve years of public education, and then four years of a of a fucking degree program, half of which was focused in history. Uh, the whole class I took on the fucking Civil War, yeah, and none of these things get brought. It matters who's controlling the narrative and who's driving the narrative, and and this book should show that definitively. Yes, matter matters a lot. Just like uh, Du Bois said a page before the uh, the propaganda that is sometimes called yes. History. Um. <sighs> But that said, I do also want to tie this back to the, the Southern strategy and, and where all these dog whistles uh, came from and how, you know, that really – not that it's not ramping up and ramping up and ramping up beyond that. So the word crescendo feels like the wrong word, but I still want to use the word crescendo and crescendoed with Reagan and and took kind of this magical turn of just ripping the social safety net. And that's where, you know, people got to realize that, that neoliberalism is just liberalism. You know, it's, it's just liberalism getting back to its roots. It's just that in reaction and the most extreme reaction of it we think of is fascism, but dividing the lines between liberalism, neoliberalism and fascism sometimes isn't very useful. Um, Not at all. Anyone who's still looking at a political compass and thinks it's useful. What guys, I hate to bring it to you. No, stop. (laughs) But you should, but you should understand the, the, subtle differences in the directions they take in order to know what you're combating. And really neoliberalism is after all of the civil rights movement and after all of the, the fights, um, kind of this, this intersection of the years of union busting and cold war anti-communism meets the resurrection of, of all these things we see in this book, you know, just, just like they talked about uh, where the, the white and black uh, poor population would try to imitate the manners of the slave nurtured gentility. And it would be looked frowned upon by the, the, you know, recently impoverished. And, and of course it's relatively impoverished, you know, that's another backhand of people's yeah. voice, but the recently impoverished planters, um, you know, and all the, the Cadillac driving welfare queen stuff, it's that intersecting and just making an, an orgy of right wing hell, to dish out on the world and it's been terrifyingly effective um, I, I mean yeah frighteningly mm-hmm. that being said we, we talked about political compasses so i'd be remiss if i didn't bring up this weird confessional for myself oh, no. um yeah i know i know it's bad um so they there's a uh, political company it got linked in the discord that i live in which is the dumb and awful discord and you should come hang out if you want to um but that being said they, there was a <laughs> A imagine the political compass, but they did it only with where were you during the Russian Revolution? Yeah. Uh and so you, you, you did your fun. It was like thirty questions. It's probably meaningless, okay. but still, sure. Yeah, you know, answer all your questions, and you get plotted on your map based on you know you've got everything from like the Black Hundred to the you know the the cadets. I'm throw you a very very nice bone and let you know that um, the situations during the time and the amount of information we have now is very different than than the situation and the belief you'd be in during the revolution. So what you're telling me is the fa- the fact that I got left SR means that I don't get canceled uh, entirely. No, no. On top of that, <laughs> on top of that, that's at least that's that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, left Azar is not great, but that, that is not good. It's that, not good. That, you know, I could have been a right SR. I get yeah. it, but I missed Bolshevik by like. Ugh, I fucked up like two questions and missed Bolshevik, and I'm I'm mad at my I'm mad at my idealist ass self for fucking failing this hard and missing my boy. So I just it needs to be said, okay, you know, self crit. I uh, I apparently according to this stupid fucking thirty question test, I'm a left SR, not a Bolshevik. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> That is awesome. So if anyone asks, a Bolshevik <laughs> is just a left SR who actually got over 93% on the quiz. That's, that's what we're going with. So. Yeah, no, that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> From an economic point of view, this planter class had interest in consumption rather than production. They had exploited labor in order that they themselves should live more grandly and not mainly for increasing production. Their taste went to elaborate households, well-furnished and hospitable. They had uh, much to eat and drink. They consumed large quantities of liquor. They gambled and caroused and kept up the habit of dueling well down into the 19th century. Sexually, they were lawless, protecting elaborate 
gently and flattering the virginity of the small class of women of their social clan and keeping at command millions of poor women and two laboring groups in the South, uh, which is fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Um, also, it's interesting that, that they're being posed like this because I mean, it's true and it's very true and it's important to know, but it is interesting because Marx thought of the miser as irrational and everywhere else, every other economic system in the world, it's irrational. Currently in the U.S., it's irrational. In the North at this time, it was irrational. And yet across the South, because of slavery, that's what the planters were. These were misers, yeah. which is is just terrifying that this could be a rational thing. It was that horrendous of a system. It's, I mean, it, it is, I think it is almost a unique, I don't want to say that. That's probably too far to say it's a unique thing. But I, the 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 Southern United States from the 1700s to the Civil War, mm-hmm. I, I, I it is bizarre how removed from the rest of all human history, morality, it's, uh, common yeah. s- any of it. It it is its own isolated bubble that has endured in such a way that I mean again I think I need to look at it on a a time span you know the the, the south established itself in early you know late 1600s early 1700s it went until yep. what, the civil war 1830 so 150 years give or take sure. and it's been but it's been long longer than it's been established it's been gone yep. and it still resonates and drives the narrative of an entire region of this country to this day. Okay. What's what's amazing is you could sit there and let's say a person was just like born into the world as they could like adult comprehend economic models. And you explained outside of the, the U.S. South, every other economic model out there, including, you know, the northern and, and current U.S. and its exploitation and its settler colony and its ripping away from colonized people. Right. And then you yep. went back and you said, oh, by the way, in the South, at the same time, there was this feudal system. But the feudal system was still a free market born to sell the production of uh, – well, so I guess I, the best way to say it is it was an agrarian agrarian marketing mm-hmm. system um, where it was about the land grabs, uh, marketing uh, the agrarian gains, and owning people because their skin were dark, which I mean I guess to some degree you've, you've explained that from south of there. But there's not the same capital race that just – it was just so – it shined through in the South so differently, and that's not to write off the horrors of slavery throughout the Americas, um, but it, it's just – it was a different world that it was able to hold up that agrarian society for so long um, beyond just the land grabs and the initial gains. Uh, and that's where, you know, I mean, primitive commun- accumulation doesn't really work there the same way. You know, in settler colonies, uh, I think, you know, Clifford and um, I, I think the, the term that David Harvey uses the best is uh, accumulation uh, by dispossession. By dispossession. Yeah, is good. Um, but from a, an agrarian standpoint, until you start marketing and, and, and using, you know, force to contain the land, there's still a point where there is a primitive accumulation uh, before it flips to a full capitalist economy. And that flip was just really, really delayed in the U.S. South. Um, And I just, I don't, it's just such an enigma that still defines who we are today uh, because that dehumanization carries so hard. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to just get back to the book. Please. (laughs) At this this point, please, because otherwise I'm just going down a black pill hole and I don't need that right now. Sexual chaos was always the possibility of slavery. Not okay, now we realized. need. We, hold on, hold on. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Stop. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, yeah. We, we. You can't take me out of my black pill hole and then say the word. The first two words I mouth can't be sexual chaos. Like I'm some <laughs> weird chaotic neutral mage in D and D. My chaotic neutral mage. I'm a bard. If I'm fucking, I'm a bard, and we all know that. But that that's ah uh, that sentence. Come on, boys, give me something. <laughs> Not always realized, but always possible. Polygamy through the concubine, concubinage to make someone a concubine. Yeah, concubinage. Black, concubinage, I guess. Okay, that's I didn't quite know how to pronounce that. Of yeah. black women to white women, polyandry. To white men, women, to white men. To white men, sorry. Shit. Uh, polyandry between black women and selected men on plantations in order to improve the human stock of nope. strong and able workers. Nope. 
I'm bailing. I'm out. I'm out. You finish the rest of it. I'm taking the headphones the off. Census, Fuck this. The census of 1860 counted 588,352 persons, obviously of mixed blood, a figure admittedly below the truth. Every man who resides on his plantation may have his harem and every has every inducement of custom and of pecuniary, pecuniary gain. The law declares that the children of slaves are to follow the fortunes of the mother, hence the practice of planters selling and bequeathing their own children. To tempt him to the common practice, those who notwithstanding keep their homes undefined may cons- be considered undefiled, undefiled, oh, undefiled may be considered as of incorruptible purity. If so your people is- were all white, you were better than yeah. other people because they could. Oh my god, I hate all of this. I hate it so yeah. goddamn much. No, I mean it's super gross, but we're we're going to have to talk about super gross things when we talk about the history of Reconstruction and pre Civil War United States and slavery. All right, and. This is, I mean, this is an important thing. Uh, this is an important it, concept because it is. Th- this, this is kind of. There's a lot of times where people will be like, "Oh, I can't be racist. I, I'm married to a black woman," or something. You know, there's a level mm. of of racism that can go into that. Now, that's not to say there. You know, of course, you can certainly have a a consensual loving mixed couple and the fact that that we've broken apart the the stigma against mixed couples after years and years and years is a very very good thing on society but even within that you have to understand the racial power dynamics and how that works and the history behind that and this is a very very gruesome window into that about how these people could demonize and dehumanize their own children to the point of just making them slaves and bequeathing them to other people and selling them. Just they were slaves too. It wasn't, this is my kid. It was, Oh, you know, I just, I, I raped a slave. I had my way. She had a kid. Cool. There's another body to sell. Move on. I was just, it's literally like, imagine if you could rape your way into additional capital. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, every single perverse in, in, in instinct is reinforced by this yeah, fucking you, system you have people who live off own, owning human beings and land that was ripped away in a genocidal fashion from other humans who um who live like misers who have no no trouble dehumanizing these people that of course not only they own but in order to keep them working they beat them um they they rape them and and now you're giving them an opportunity to gain investment through rape essentially and of course that reality is going to happen and yeah. of course it's going to be brutal and evil and terrible and when we look at those details it it should it should not feel very good to hear but we have to accept that that's it doesn't feel good to hear but it's what happened and we have to know how that matters in our history and how that matters to us today. Yeah. And that's, uh, if that's not a difficult thing for you to get through, um, I don't know what's wrong with you. Well, Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's difficult from every which side, but if you're, you know, struggling with that, or if you don't like that, I'm, I'm sorry. This is, (laughs) this is, you want to talk about fucking, you know, everyone needs to get through a certain level of humility to get to, any sort of point here again i don't want i don't think any white people should be at the the vanguard of any sort of movement at this level but if you want to just be able to be included in this and look uh uh, an indigenous black indigenous person of color in the eyes with any sort of human understanding or empathy and Mm -hmm. you can't get through this sorry yeah you're out sorry Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to dance around that this is true. Um, you're not the one who had to suffer through it. No. You, you are going to have to be the one that has to accept it and realize that it is uncomfortable because every bit as wrong as, as you want to feel like it is. Um, yeah. So don't justify it with that. Uh, feel every bit as grotesque or grossed out and upset as you do, but live with it and, and understand it and incorporate it into – how are you going to fight for these people? Um, how are you going to make sure that you're listening to what they want and need and not falling for someone who is going to trap them into the same harm for their own gain? 
Yeah. And that's it. It, it should just be at the end of the day. Listen, mm. yep. listen, uh, the, yep. there, these, this, you're never going to understand the experience. And if you've gotten through this and, and aren't feeling anything, you're, you're gone for a different reason, but it, it, you know, if you're struggling with this, good, struggle with it. And and then when you when you listen to people, don't try and, and sympathize. Don't try and put yourself in there. You're never going to be in this position. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a white person in America, you are never going to be able to be in a position where you understand this level of, of struggle and oppression and constant less than status. Mm-hmm. But the best thing you can do is to just shut up. <laughs> Again, I'm not the best. I'm not the best poster child for this. We're I never ever. Moment. <laughs> I never shut up ever. I will not log off. I don't do it. But when it, it when you're in this space, you you need to recognize why. You know when when, when I, I've seen people that ostensibly I should call comrades go off in this direction where they 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 still don't understand. Well, uh, what, what do you mean? I've I've read all the books. I've seen all the thing. I you know I know the theory. I, I understand why this is right. I I I don't. What, why should I have to take a back seat in the vanguard? Why why shouldn't I be able to? Here's why. If you've gotten through this, but we're. 35 goddamn pages into this book. If you got this far in this book and still don't understand why the fuck we need to take a back seat to this movement and and just give as much support as we can but let it be driven by the by the people that should be driving it, I I I don't know what else to tell you at this point. I've got nothing cuz this is this is it. This is it to a T. Absolutely. Um David has driven for a long time so I'm taking over for him. Sorry. Sit down. Okay. Miss Trollop, that can't be her name. <laughs> I, I, you can't let me take over and then get, let me say Miss Trollop as my first word. That's not fair. Uh, speaks of the situation of New Orleans mulattoes. Of all the prejudices I have ever witnessed, this appears to us to be the most violent and the most inverted. Quadroon girls the acknowledged daughters of wealthy Americans or Creole fathers educated with all the style and accomplishments with which money can procure at new Orleans and with all the decorum that care and affection can give exquisitely beautiful, graceful, gentle, and amiable are not admitted. Nay, are not only are not on any terms admissible into the society of the Creole families of Louisiana. They cannot marry. That is to say, no ceremony can render any union with them legal or binding. It is known by almost everybody who have heard by the man Richard M. Johnson, a Democratic vice president of the United States. I did not know who the fuck Richard M. Johnson was before this. (laughs) um, That he had colored daughters of whom he was proud. And his was not an exceptional case. Several presidents of the United States have been accused of racial Catholicity in sex. Yeah, and I'm sure at this time probably saying it was, but even now, I'm sure, again, we, we know Jefferson. You yeah. want to say that all the rest of them, all the rest of the Virginia president, slave-holding presidents weren't? Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, this, no. <laughs> they all fucking got into it, and it's they should all be disqualified. Like, kick them all out. You want to yell at Trump for, oh, grandmother. You, you want to fucking call out the, the indecency of it all. We are founded on indecency. Trump is what we fucking deserve at this point. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't excuse anything about that man. But just like. None of it is excusable. None, but I'm saying the same people that would excuse him. The yeah. same people that try and say that that is the worst thing in the history of time. Go yeah. to Hamilton and give a standing ovation when the Jefferson when, when they did Thomas Jefferson as a black man and thought that that was some sort of revolution. <laughs> Fuck off. Have some fucking consistency with your outrage. Yeah. It is known by almost everyone who has heard... Ah, fuck that. Skip. Edit. Fuck. (laughs) Seven minutes to the end. I couldn't fucking get through it. And finally, one cannot forget that bitter word attributed to a sister of a president of the United States. I don't either. And that's as good a place to end as any, gang. Because that's... We don't know that word. Because we don't know that word. So we're going to take a week to to really look at ourselves in the mirror and look up that particular word. Um, Because Um, Du Bois does us a favor and doesn't put the footnotes at the end of the page and puts them at the end of the... Laglio or Serial is the sequestered living quarters used by wives and concubines in an Ottoman household. See, but we are only mistresses of... 
That's interesting because that mistresses who live in the seraglio. Basically, they're they're off to the side. Oh, we uh, southern ladies are complimented with na- Okay, so we uh, so this yeah. was okay. So we got to figure out who this was. I'll we will look up this so footnote that, before the next episode. I promise because this is attributed to somebody. But finally, yeah, so, so I'll read that sentence like again. What she's yeah, saying. Oh, go ahead and read it again. No, first. no. Yeah. So so knowing what we know, and finally, one cannot forget that bitter word attributed to a sister of a president of the United States. So a president up to this point, sister said. Mm-hmm. We Southern ladies are complimented with names of wives, but we are only mistresses of a a house of concubines. Basically, they they are only they're they're there for status and they're 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 part of a concubine, yeah. but they're not actually partners of any sort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get married, you have the whole the whole wedding thing, uh, but they're not like you know sec- intimate partners, sexual partners, equal partners. Um, they, they're just off in the, off in the woman house doing the woman things, you know, I mean, it's not just, it's not just separate beds. It's really separate lives, uh, behind closed doors. And they just, they just face together in public because these men are off, you know, ruthlessly raping slaves uh, for investment. You know, I mean, these, these women are not, these are not sexual, um, or, you know, romantic, uh, relationships with with intimacy, their intimacy for statuses. They might as well be kings and queens marrying for for house uh, in order to unify, you know, kingdoms or some bullshit. Yep. And uh, and on that note, we're we're going to take a week off to reflect on that bombshell. <laughs> uh, and again, as as is tradition now, we got through four pages. Um, now I'm being generous this time with our four because it really is three and a like a half, but uh, but we all know that David will get mad at me if I don't round up on page numbers. Apparently, in the great <laughs> debate that happens behind the scenes here, what so do you we, mean? Apparently, this fact is established. I'm clear uh-huh. on my boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you 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 listed a number of sentences that must constitute a half page, and I'm wrong if I say the other number, but that's fine. Um, but that being said, uh, we're <laughs> we're gonna wrap this one up. So. Uh, Obviously, we're probably talking. I, I think it, I, I didn't want to do it at the top, but we're yep. we're probably talking less about uh, various goings on in the country mm-hmm. than other podcasts are. Um, yes. That being said, I don't. I, I think I'm doing that off of my own personal preferences, which may be wrong. So tell me if I'm wrong. But I am, if anything, over inundated with information and takes regarding the 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 current situation of of america and the coronavirus and all that nonsense i get that um there are some things i'd i'd want to talk about go over um okay between the fact that i don't want to take away from du bois and the fact that as much as i really hate them and i'm not going to suddenly like them i still hate them we i'm getting more used to this current events episode format <laughs> and none of this is tied back to the text any more than we already trailed I, off and only got through four pages uh, I, I would rather do a current events thing to talk about this stuff so that david can get all the things off his chest if you want uh nathan's take on current events um he has a recording studio in his basement so he occasionally just goes on other people's podcasts the most recent one this week was i uh this week's episode of dumb and awful i was on uh and we talked about uh, a lot of this kind of stuff mostly centered on the uh the the financial collapse that we're going through and what that will probably end up meaning um but but that being said i have some current events he takes inside of there also some just fun evergreen takes on why electoralism is bullshit and uh we you know that if you're listening to this podcast you're probably used to but you know it's fun to hear me <laughs> in another like environment yes uh so i'm over there doing that i'm also having those same takes uh in the the dumb and awful discord which is again a place that i know a bunch of you are, are starting to show up and and good on you but more of you need to come over because I promise if there's enough of us, they can't stop us and we'll start the the weird tanky takeover of that Discord server. Um, I'm, I'm, Nathan's I, ASMR mess- subliminal messages. Guys, don't. Don't. I, I kind of want to get into ASMR. Is that a bad thing? Is there a socialist ASMR? No, just me. Okay, fine. Um, no, but, but it's it's a good place. It, it really is probably the most wholesome place I've been on the internet. There are so many just nice, genuine people in there that want to Did help and tell you the thing. It's a real place. I think you were trying to say it's a really good place. And I think you just said it's a real place. No, I, I did say it's a real place. It's it's real, okay. David. D- David, we're we're using the parlance. We're using the parlance of the times. Okay, this it's not a real socialist Narnia. No, this is not. It is a very real place. I it exists. Verify any of this, by the way. If- uh, that being said, if you want to follow us on our own social media, that's not influenced by anybody else. Um, we uh we are we are 
proud and independent at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. Um, if you want to email us directly uh, because you don't want to call us assholes in front of other people, you can do that either in our DMs or uh, Mark's Madness Pod at gmail.com. Um, and if you really, really desperately, again, want to talk to me in real time, uh, Dumb and Awful's Discord server is where I live. Um, I, I don't have a personal Twitter because that, that seems pointless in this day and age. But that being said, uh, David, what's your name? Uh, my name's David. Cool. <laughs> my name's Nathan. And <laughs> this has been Parks Madness Bob. We will see you all next week. Bye.